plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Offensively, the most encouraging thing to me was accuracy, you know, from Savage. O'Brien even said the percentage. He's 66% this spring. You, you caught that. I don't know what Osweiler was last spring, but I guarantee you it wasn't 66%. That was Texans voice Mark Vandermeer. And in today's show, you'll hear the second part of my extended conversation with the Texans voice. I'm your host, Robert Land, and welcome to Locked On Texans. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash LO Texans. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And we'll talk more about Audible later on. And yesterday's one-on-one with Mark Vandermeer, we went through his broadcasting career and I asked him about the special connection he had with Andre Johnson after calling his games for nearly two decades. Incredible. In today's conversation, we talk about his partner, Andre Ware, on the broadcast, his famous catchphrase, and where the Texans are as they head to training camp. Without any more fanfare, let's hear a little bit more from Mark. Your three favorite moments. I'm going to put you on the spot here as a, as a broadcaster for the Texans, as the voice of the Texans, uh, whether it's a play or a game. I'll let you put whatever category you want to put into. I'm going to guess that maybe the first thing out of your mouth will be first game, Dallas Cowboys, winning that game right off, right off the bat. Right well, see, sometimes my moments are not their moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that game was incredible. The last football game I called before that was the national championship with Miami beating Nebraska. So the next meaningful game, we had preseason games, but the next meaningful game was this, Texans against the Cowboys. And, I mean, there's there, there's no comparison to me what was bigger. You know, as, as big as the national championship game was, Texans and Cowboys, and being in this city and feeling that vibe of – the frustration being lifted off, you know, people without professional football for five years, and are we ever going to get it again? And, you know, we, our team moved, and now we have this new team, and they're beating the Cowboys. I mean, you can't, you really, you can't top it in so many ways that I just described. Um, and I thought for years that our biggest challenge was going to be replacing that as the biggest win in the history of the franchise. I mean, how do you replace that? And you need to replace it because you need to win championships, you know? And I think, I think we did replace it because the Bengals game, winning the Bengals game on the road in 11 to get to the playoffs for the first time was so special, Uh, but it was a road game. You know, we didn't get to do it in front of our fans and all that, but there was something really magical about that. You know, it was, you know, us against the world and, and that whole thing. And, the way the players found out and the way we found out we're in the booth and I'm calling, um, you know, the game was over and I'm calling off a monitor, the end of the Titans, New Orleans saints game, 
waiting for that thing to end and waiting for Jake Locker to go down, you know, because he still had the ball late with a chance to win, and we just needed to have the Saints finish the job. And once they did, you know, I erupted in the booth, and that's the call that a lot of, um, you know, the 610 used it, and the Texans, I think, used it, you know, in their video stuff. That was the call. It was, it was actually, you know, you don't hear me saying the Titans lose, but you hear me saying the Texans win the AFC South because that was the moment it happened, you know. So little things like that in the booth, the little subtleties, being with the guys uh, during those moments, Green Bay in 08 with Chris Brown winning it on a 40-yard field goal at the buzzer, uh, even though that season was, you know, eight and eight season, that that win was just part of an uphill climb back from a three and seven start. Um, some of those wins I really appreciate more than anything. Beating the Bengals in 2015, when the Texans go in there at two, no, at three and five, when they were two and five a few weeks before. I mean, that was phenomenal, you know, and that's pretty fresh in everyone's mind. So there, there's so many, um, but it's often those ones that like don't get discussed as much that are the best. Let me ask you this, because this is something I've always wondered. You know, you're, you're a football fan, you become a Texan fan, but as a fan, we can be critical of a play call, a player's effort, something like that. Your paycheck comes from the Texans, mm-hmm. so there's a fine line you've got to straddle. How do you do that? Well, I've done that my whole career, you know. I've been the voice. I was, like I said, I was always at Penn State women's basketball, Central Michigan, UMass, Miami, here. And even though I've worked for – the station for most of my career and not the team, it's the same kind of thing. You're the voice of the team. You're the vo- if you're the voice of X, how do you treat X? And I've always handled it the same way. You state fact, and facts are facts. They're indisputable. I mean, fact. Uh, if the Texans get blown out by 40 and they had a terrible um, – day you just say it you know this is a terrible day i mean the the two two or three of the worst losses in the history of the franchise happened during the bill o'brien era and some of the more special wins have happened during the bill o'brien era the loss to atlanta in 15 the loss to miami in 15 i mean i've never seen anything like those and i had to say it i've never seen anything like this this is ridiculous how badly they lost right you just got to be honest about it but the the difference between me And a lot of the other announcers and talk show hosts, because a big part of my job is doing these talk shows. Um, The big difference between is I won't say the word suck. You know, they sucked. You know, I'm not going to use those words. I'm not going to get personal. Um, the, The way I describe it to a lot of people also is. It's these guys aren't horrible players, but they might have played horribly. You know what I'm saying? You don't insult the person you insult, not insult. You criticize the performance, you know, and if you criticize the performance, no one can argue with that. You know, if Brian Hoyer throws four interceptions, Brian Hoyer threw four interceptions. He was terrible. He was terrible, meaning his performance was terrible, not he's terrible, because clearly Brian's better than that. You know, we've had a lot of bad performances here with the guy. Even at last year, Osweiler, I still think Osweiler's a better quarterback than what he showed last year. But he had a terrible year, you know. Now, maybe he's not much better. I don't know. Maybe he'll show that he is. But that's just my personal opinion. But you just stick to the performance. Stick to the facts. Don't get don't get insulting. You know, a lot of these guys, they just start punching around and um, dragging people's names through the mud. And very often, very often they're wrong. And, you know, I and almost it's almost like this, Robert. Like, I could say... The, the, the franchise should be relocated. Everybody should be fired. You know, it doesn't matter what I say. They're still going to call me a homer. I'm the voice of the Texans. I could say the most critical 
thing ever. It's not going to matter. It's not going to change that part of the reputation to some. Uh, what I try to be is entertaining, informative. Uh, I try to keep it light. It's sports. My gosh, you know, this is entertainment, really. That's what it is. And I know it's serious because we want them to win badly. And believe me, I want them to win so bad. Um, and I will criti- criticize, be critical. But I'll also look at things from their point of view. What's their side of the story? Why did they do what they did? Why did O'Brien go for it on fourth down? Why did Rick Smith draft this guy? You know, whatever. Um, present their side of things because that is part of my job, getting a paycheck. And somebody else also said this to me once about people who do what I do. There's got to be a thin membrane between you and the team. As close as you are to the team, you're still not the team. I don't say we. I'll say we more in this context or on a talk show. Eh, remember, remember when we went to so-and-so and we, you know, I might say it like that. On the play-by-play, I will not say we. You know, I will not say we in terms of me and the team. I won't do it. You know, I might say to Andre, man, we've been through a too, you know, a few too many of these or something, but we don't. You know, we don't go we a lot in terms of we got the ball at the 20 yard. I, I do not do that because I still think you have to sort of keep it a little bit separate. And a lot of that criticism has got to be Andre's because he's the analyst. What has it been like to work with him? And I, I feel like having Andre for you had to be a huge benefit because you come in as the outsider and here's yeah. Andre with already the credibility with people in Houston from yeah. his days at the University of Houston and he's a local product too. Yeah, that's big. I mean, Andre's a, an icon. You know, he's a legend. Um, you win the Heisman Trophy, especially the way he won it in a year where they couldn't get on television. I mean, that's fantastic. The guy's amazing. Um, I have nothing but respect for him. He's got a heart of gold. He's really good at what he does. I think that and I've analyzed this a lot. Um, I think we have a good sound together. We complement each other well. There's something about the way we fit together. It's chemistry. It's hard to define, as it always is. Um, but there, you know, I've, I've listened to playback, and I think we just have a good sound together. It just sounds good, us being together in the booth. It sounds right. Um, so besides all, cause I, I really do believe radio audio, it's a, it's a medium where, you know, how you sound is important. You know, I, I sometimes say to people having a good voice on the radio is like being good looking on television. You know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's helpful. It's not the be all end all, but it's certainly helpful as far as Andre's ability. I mean, he's tremendous cause he prepares, he puts the work in, he saw from an early time in his profession, in this profession that, you got to do the work, you know. He talked to the right people. He took the advice, you know. And a lot of people ask his advice. A lot of former athletes ask Andre's advice, and he'll give it to them, and a lot of them don't follow it. They just uh, they either don't want to do it or whatever. It's like a lot of things in life, you know. Some people do the work. Some people don't. He puts in the work, and he's really easy to work with, and that's key. You know, he doesn't step on my calls, um, which, you know, hey, it's all about me. i got to be hurt. But, you know, he, he understands the, the balance, the nuances of, of being in the booth. And, um, you know, I did the morning show with him for two years on Sports Radio 610. I think that helped us so much, just having to fill four hours together. I mean, when you go through that with, with anybody, you start to get really good, you know, especially during – um, you know, lighter periods and news and things like that. And, um, and he and I have been through a lot together. We're, we're going to continue to do so. Just a couple more questions, and I'm going to spin it back to where we started from. You wanted to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. Where does rock and roll come from? Wh- wh- how did that happen? Oh, the call? Yeah. Well, first of all, 
anybody who's listening who cares, I don't say it all the time. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I said it six or seven times all last year. The year before, I think I said it like three times. My wife is saying, you got to say it more. I only say it for longer or bigger touchdowns. Um, I didn't say it for the first touchdown in team history because I knew that that would that's that had to be a Texans call and you know not about me. Not that it's about me anyway, but I throw rock and roll in there from time to time. Um, people think it's there all the time because they hear it in promos and we use it in the show intros and they're like, oh, he's the guy who always says rock and roll. And I, the reason I say that as a disclaimer is because I know that some people don't like it. But when I interviewed for the job, I said I could drop that. It was in my demo tape with the Hurricanes. I said rock and roll. Uh, I said I could drop it. They're like, no, 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 keep it, keep it, keep it. So, all right, here it is. It's, you know, it's really cool. People have made T-shirts and stuff, whatever. And I know it's not for everybody. And that's why I don't say it all the time. Anyway, it started at Central Michigan. It's a basketball thing. I used to say it for dunks. It's a, you know, it's a really cool thing to say in a basketball <laughs> broadcast. And then I thought, I wonder if I could do this with football. And then I started doing it. We had this great year at Central in 94 where we won the Mid-American Conference. And back then, only one team from that conference went to a bowl. So it was huge to win the league. You so know, you, did, like, you didn't plan it out when you started it? No, it just sort of sort of happened. Like, I used to say in cue to my producer, like, are we ready to rock? You know, are we, everybody ready? Like, let's, you know, let's get, <laughs> I was getting myself fired up. And the guy's running the board in the studio. Like, are you ready to rock? Yeah, I'm ready to rock. I'm over here with, like, a soda in my underwear. I'm ready to rock. Anyway, but it's like, ready to rock. And I just, rock became part of the vernacular. And I just one day said rock and roll after a dunk. I'm like, that that was all right, you know. So I just started doing it. Let's get to the final thing, the Texans. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, OTA's mini camp. You, you see, a, we watch a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of people talking. A lot of it, I feel like, doesn't matter. What do you think that they said or what you saw that you felt like this is going to matter? And to me, the biggest thing was watching Bill O'Brien and him being so much more hands-on with the offense mm. and so much more into it. And I felt like, that could be a difference maker because I feel like that could translate uh, to you know having the better offenses, which is really the only thing that separates this team from a Super Bowl team. Yeah, I think the most encouraging thing I saw in the spring was because I, I expect the defense to be good. I think people overreacted to the departure of John Simon and A.J. Boyer and everything. As, as well as those guys played, I think they'll be able to deal with that fine. Uh, you get Watt back, huge. So I think defense, fine, fine, fine. Maybe they're not number one. Maybe they're number five. But maybe they force more turnovers, you know. So that will that would be better, actually. So who knows. Offensively, the most encouraging thing to me was accuracy, you know, from Savage. Um, uh, O'Brien even said the percentage. He's 66% this spring. You, you caught that. And I don't know what Osweiler was last spring, but I guarantee you it wasn't 66%. You know, I mean, you know, no offense to Brock, but when I was watching him last spring, I thought, ah, he's just getting used to it. You know, it'll take some time. It's a new system, whatever. But, gosh, you know, even in individuals, it just wasn't there to the level that you want to see, I think. You know, I think when you're doing individual drills, that ball's got to be on the money. I mean, you can miss one or two a little bit, but it's got to be on the money. That's where you're precision training is conducted and savage looked really good and as the spring wore on uh watson started to look really good in that department and you know whedon's always i thought been pretty good in this offense and there's a reason why they keep whedon around i mean you know he won a game for them one of the biggest wins they've had here in a long time um came off the 
bench for that one, want to start against Tennessee. And I think they feel like Whedon can really help them as a backup. But seeing all three layers of the uh, depth chart at quarterback and some of the younger pass catchers who are now entering year two, like Fuller, Braxton Miller, Steven Anderson, Tyler Irvin, um, calling him a pass catcher, seeing them look more polished in year two, I think those were really encouraging things. And maybe O'Brien being a more hands-on, like you say, has something to do with it. Who knows? And I'm not saying this offense is ready to go top 10, you know, or even top 15. Who knows? But if they can if they can go middle of the pack in terms of offensive production and be relatively efficient as far as turnover ratio and force a few on defense, this team can do a lot of damage, a lot of damage. Just be, you know, okay on offense. Last year they really weren't okay. If you look at their point total in 2014 with Fitzpatrick and those guys, they scored 96 more points over the course of the season, or maybe 94, I don't know, somewhere in the 90s, more points on offense than this past year's team. I mean, that's a lot of points. So if they can get back to that number and get back to like a 25-touchdown pass number with only 10 to 15 picks, oh, my gosh. Imagine what they could do if the defense continues to play well, which I expect them to. And this is the best quarterback play that you've seen one through three from the Texans over I think the years? one through three, yeah, because Fitzpatrick in the sp- – First spring he was here, Fitzpatrick was, eh, you know, but everybody was new, so it was hard to say. You still had Andre Johnson here now, but I don't think he, yeah, he didn't participate much in the spring. But anyway, it was like, eh, we'll just see how it looks. Um, but you knew you had Arian to run. You knew, you, you know, you still had some things going on here that led you to believe, all right, because they were coming off a year where they were, what, seventh in offense, even though they were horrible in 2013, they were seventh in offense. Something like that. So they, they still moved the ball. They just couldn't score, and they turned it over in buckets. Um, the second year, Mallet and Hoyer, it did not look good in the spring. I expected better from, from both those guys, especially Mallet. I thought Mallet should be the quarterback. Come on, win this job. And he couldn't do it, and we all know what happened. Um, so all three layers, yeah. Because Osweiler last year, even – so I – mentioned what I saw in the spring and camp saw the same kind of thing. I was like, it's just not, you know, Savage looked pretty good last year with the twos. Brock with the ones didn't look as good. Now, in fairness to Brock, he had, you know, Will Fuller, rookie, Braxton Miller, rookie, Jalen Strong, year two, you know, so he had some of that to deal with as well. And now you're getting those guys growing up, help Savage. But let's just see how it plays out, man. I, th- I mean, th- you don't have a lot of experience here at quarterback because, you know, you get the feeling – it's not going to be Whedon no matter what. It's Savage to start, and if he doesn't work out or gets hurt, does does Watson get right in there? Do they put Whedon in in the meantime? They won't if Watson shows continues to show improvement. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, these preseason games, rarely have you seen Texans preseason games where the fourth quarter, I mean, you're not going to want to leave your seat. You know, you're going to want to see every snap because Watson's going to get those third team reps in all likelihood. And that's unless he gets elevated to second team. And I want to wrap up with this. There could be one of the great moments in Texans history in the preseason. And I hope the Texans fans are paying attention. I hope that they're watching. Um, I'm sure you're going to remind your listeners when this happens, but when David Quesenberry steps on the field, at NRG Stadium for the first time, yeah. there needs to be a standing ovation. I think there will be. I think people will go nuts seeing him out there and seeing him in in numerous instances as the first guard in uh, with Chad Slade getting a lot of accolades around the coaching staff and everything publicly, um, people like that. 
So Suafilo, if he's got a bump or a bruise and you see Quisenberry get in at left guard, maybe that's just to give him reps with, you know, meaningful reps. Who knows? See what you got because you know what you have with Slade. I don't know what they're thinking, but I think Quisenberry's got a shot to make this team, you know, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but how can you not? I mean, you can't put any more pressure on him than it's than already been. You know, you could say is he's he's playing with house money, some might say, but I don't even know if that's the case. You know, what he's been through is colossal and to see him come out the other side and actually be on a football field with a chance to make a 53 wow that's that's phenomenal stuff yeah i can't wait for that well thanks so much mark for doing this i really appreciate you taking the time hey thanks a lot my pleasure that was the second part of my conversation with mark don't forget you can listen to that first part if you missed it in yesterday's show later this week, Troy from TexansCap.com is back with us to knock around Dwayne Brown's holdout and some other Texans salary cap-related conversation. Hey, you know, Bill O'Brien had a rare long-form interview on Sports Radio 610, and I want to mention what he said in a little bit. But first of all, let me quickly remind you guys that Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You guys can download your choice of any audiobook free by trying audible.com. Plenty of great sports books to choose from on Audible's website. To download your free audiobook today, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash L-O Texans. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash L-O as in locked on Texans for your free audiobook. Let's get back to this Bill O'Brien interview with Sports Radio 610. The most compelling information it's probably about his relationship with GM Rick Smith, where he spells out that Rick is in charge of the draft and trades. In no uncertain terms, that's what he says. He gives input during the draft, O'Brien does, but says he leaves it up to Rick, who has the final say. And he said they have a great relationship. They talk nearly every day. O'Brien pretty much said what you would expect him to say. But it's one of those deals where we can continue to speculate, wonder what's going on between those two guys. But for now, they're playing out the season. Let's see where things happen. You know, let's see where it goes, I guess, from from here on out. Just want to send out the word again that we'd love to hear from anybody who might be going to training camp in West Virginia. Texans training camp, as you guys know, is not in Houston this year. They'll have a couple of dates towards the middle or end of August, but the first month is going to be in West Virginia. And just want to thank one of our listeners, Jordan, who says he's going to the Greenbrier and he's going to tell us about the experience. And I'd like to get more of you guys to, to join up and uh, let me know what you think of it because would love your input. I want to know what's going on out there. Don't, don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. So if you'd like to be a guest and tell us what you saw, what your experience was like, drop me a line at LockedOnTexans at mail.com. Also, you can email me if you'd like to sponsor Locked On Texans, this might be the perfect way for your business to connect with Texans fans. Hey, if you're a new listener and we're helping you get through the offseason, please pass the word along to a friend or two. Let them know they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. When you finish up this podcast, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and rate us. You know, say something crazy on there. I don't care. Have fun with it. It makes it easier for people to find our show which makes it possible for me to keep bringing it to you and i'll try to mention you if i see you up there on that and for the latest houston rockets offseason news listen to locked on rockets with ben dubose all kinds of nba rumors flying around right now and hey go check out my houston sports talk podcast to keep up 
with anything and everything going on in Houston sports. We had on this week Astros team historian Mike Acosta and my old friend Greg Lucas. You know him for his years on Fox Sports Southwest with the Astros and the Rockets. One quick final note, if you've got something on your mind, a question, a show idea, a topic, or anything else, email me at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. Same, same address, LockedOnTexans at Mail.com, or send a message through our Facebook and Twitter pages. Hey, just want to thank you guys again for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, my God.